Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to Performance Anxiety. This episode, we welcome Brad Laner from the band Medicine. Medicine is one of the most influential bands of the 1990s. But Brad was a veteran musician before founding Medicine. He'd worked with luminaries like Savage Republic and the Captain and Tennille. We get great stories about his music, touring, his gear, and the new Medicine album of covers, Scarred for Life. Pick it up on Bandcamp or wherever you buy music. Follow Brad and Medicine on social media to keep up with news. Follow us at Performance ANX on Instagram and Twitter. Pick up our merchandise at performanceanx.threadless.com. Subscribe, rate, review, and laugh with me and Brad Lehner on Performance Anxiety. Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, this is uh, Brad Lehner from Medicine, and you're listening to the Performance... Oh, let me try that again. This is Brad Lehner from Medicine, and you're listening to the Performance Anxiety Podcast. Well, I... Do again appreciate you coming on with me and spending a little time and talking about your career. My yeah, career, yes. <laughs> uh, funny word. I, yeah, I guess it is a career. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you you kind of, from what I understand, you actually started your career really young. Uh, I was talking with Jordan that are yes. from Blink of the Star, and yeah, he, he knows all the embarrassing stuff. He, yeah. Well, he don't. He only told me one or two. <laughs> little embarrassing bits, but I do want to add, and, and first of all, before we get into too much, I kind of feel like I should tell you that in doing the research for you, every time I try to type my uh, your name into my phone to to look you up and, and, and find anything about you, it it changed your name to from Brad Laner to Brad Lancer. Oh, yeah. So my uh, evil doppelganger, Brett Lancer. Yeah. If you, uh, you know, ever get into adult There's films. A, uh, there's a politician in Brooklyn named Brad Lander. Oh, also. and luckily he's got good politics. You know, it's, not, <laughs> it's not like a Trump Trumpite. Um, and then one time, I, uh, I, my wife and I sold the first house that we uh, that we uh, bought, uh, and it turned. And the guy was like looking through the house, and he looked at me and went, "You're Brad Lander from Medicine." And I went, "Holy shit, that's crazy!" And then. What's his name? His name is Brad Werner. Oh, wow. So I, I sold a house to a medicine fan named Brad Werner. That's Very good. funny. I mean, how like, I mean, that has got to be the most unlikely thing. I could, that is, you know. yeah, that's so weird. Yeah, and, I, and, we're, and we're friends to this day now. So. Oh, that's awesome. Speaking <laughs> of friends, uh, our mutual friend Jordan told me a, yes. a little, uh, gave me a little tidbit said that when you were eight, you played bass with Captain Daryl Dragon. Is that accurate? Uh, close. Close. When I was 11, when I was 11, I, and this is on YouTube, mind you, uh, I was in a band that was put together by my junior high school because ABC had put out a call. They wanted a, a band consisting of junior high school age kids. I get what they call middle school now. They called it junior high back, back in those days. Right. And, um. We and they wanted a, a band of kids to play with the captain and Neil. Wow! Uh, and we passed the audition. Um, you know, I, I was it was 1979. Oh. I was 11 or 12. Back in their heyday, too. Yeah, it was the 70s. It was genuinely the same. And we played a minute and a half long version of "Hey Jude" and <laughs> uh, a, a full a, a on <laughs> version, full on version of "Muskrat Love." Wow. 
our bass guitar, Brad Lehner, and on the other guitar, Todd Robbins. Muskrat Love with Captain and Tennille and Special Delivery. Here they are. Muskrat, muskrat, candlelight Doing the town and doing it right in the evening It's pretty pleasing Muskrat, Susie, muskrat, Sam Do the jitterbug at muskrat land keyboard player in our group got to go over and do like the most abstract atonal solo on Daryl Dragon's Art Odyssey. Oh and it's, it's, a, it's an amazing moment of television. Uh, that, is that the entire thing on YouTube? Well, I left out the Hey Jude bit, but oh, yes, it's, it's, um, we were called special delivery, which is, I, I, I stand by that as a, a fantastic name. I love that name. Right. That is awesome. You, Special delivery. Um, and uh, so if you search special delivery, kids have people too you, uh, on YouTube, you will find this, you know, hideous cultural <laughs> So how early did you start playing music? Oh, I, you know, I've, <clears throat> I don't even, I mean, I've been since forever. I don't know. I mean. As long as you can remember. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you know, both of my parents uh, could strum a few chords on the guitar. So I probably picked that up from them and, you know, um, yeah, just forever, you know, always messing with tape recorders and you know, anything I can get my hands on. You know. Was, uh, so your special delivery was your, was that your <laughs> first band? <laughs> no, I mean, that, that was not a, even a real band. It was just some bullshit that we put together for that the school put together. And I was the only seventh grader because they were all ninth grade kids, but they had to have me in the band because there was no other bass player with a bass in the school. <laughs> so really, I, you, know, I had, you truly you know, were special. It, it was, and our, we delivered specialness. Yes. <laughs> so the first thing that I, I could find that was re, that you re, recorded and released was a band called dead of nature. Right. That was started when I was 14. Jeez. Um, yeah, Man. I was already like a you know jaded art snob by that <laughs> age. You know, <laughs> living in Los Angeles with cool parents and great record stores and great oh, radio wow. and great you know, fully immersed in punk rock and industrial music and you know. Now, and you're you're a multi instrumentalist. We're at yeah. the age of fourteen and fifteen. Were you playing more than one instrument at the time? Oh yeah, I mean always. Wow. Oh wow, I started a piano and guitar and got a bass uh you know i the bass that i played on you know with the captain and Neil, i got that for like probably my 11th birthday and then it was back then people weren't didn't make guitars for kids and drum sets for kids it was yeah. a school of rock right. stuff back then where hey that's great you made it through you know whatever horrible you know it's yeah so it was really unusual for a kid to have an electric bass. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, really unusual. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But <laughs> <laughs> it was just, you know, it was a more unusual in the late seventies to have a kid musician, but I guess. But Were you the youngest one in the band? In in special delivery. Oh no, in dead of nature. <laughs> well, dead of nature was just me and whoever was around. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, I, I was usually like, the little kid though i mean i was always playing with with older people and you know the older people with cars that could you know take it drive us to the gigs and, <laughs> and you know but i mean when i was 15 we dead of nature played we drove to san francisco and opened for nico oh my gosh so, that's insane yeah i mean and she freaked me out you know she was really scary looking. But she was amazing. I mean, I sat at her feet and what? And she sang all tomorrow's parties a cappella. You know, I'll never oh my forget it. God, that's incredible. So, you know, ambitious little little shit. You know, yes. like making connections and getting gigs and stuff. You know. Well, I was I was trying to find some some of the early stuff, and I had to 
no idea about special delivery. Otherwise, I would have brought that up. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I was listening to uh, Steaming Coils. Right, right. And I, I heard the track, um, Loosen Love Sick, The Shamrock. <laughs> That's an odd one to pick. That is... <laughs> there's, there's a story behind that title. Oh, I got to hear that because the sound, the song itself is really weird. It's kind of... It, it's like I, Exotica kind yeah, of a thing. It was like our Martin Denny... It, it, kind of to me, it sounded like a, like a merry-go-round dying in the middle of a jungle. Mm. All right. Got all these animal sounds going, like like, yes. like monkeys and yes. carnival music going. It's crazy that was, shit. That was that was the great uh, Tom Rashawn from the LA Free Music Society, who had one of the first sampling keyboards I'd ever seen, and he had all those animal sounds. But That's the, crazy. the title "Loose and Lovesick" the Shamrock was something that I found in a uh, airplane uh, magazine, and that was actually the name of like a Korean pop tune, like a really weird <laughs> translation. <laughs> Translation of a Korean pop hit. And I just, you know, I wrote that down and saved it for the, just that occasion. Some really weird English. Yes. Which is yes. one of my favorite I, sites I, of all time. Yeah, I, I love I love any kind of mangling of any language. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Good, good choice there. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> and let's see. You went from that to uh, the Savage Republic. Right. And... So are these bands just progressing or are you just deciding that they're not doing what you want to do? Because even at that point, the music sounds really experimental. Right. Well, I mean, Savage Republic was like an already established band uh, that put out their first record in 1982. And I was a huge fan of them. I didn't join them until uh, their drummer left and I replaced him in 1988. And I, um, they were going to go to tour Europe and I was like, right on i'm a fan anyway and i joined and it was like you know going being in the army you know we, wow. we did this br brutal two month two months of one night stands from london to athens greece and everywhere in between and like you know i'm still like separate from ptsd from it you know? <laughs> I mean, to this day was when, I, when i was 21 i mean wow oh man that's got to be amazing 21 playing music for a living tour in europe right that's at I was 21, like, I didn't know what I was doing still. Yeah. It was, it, I, it made me realize that I really hate the road and really hate touring. <laughs> um, I was like, what it, oh, so this is what it really is. You know what I mean? It was a uh, big, it was a big taste, you know? And so unfortunately, by the time medicine started a few years later, I was already like hated touring. And, you know, so those days were numbered in the first place, you know? So how did you, how did you get together with the, uh, the original core group uh, of medicine? Um, well, it started just with, uh, myself and, and Annette Zelenskas, who, um, who, uh, was a founding member of the Bengals. Um, she's on the first EP and now she's playing with them again now. Um, and we've just wow. made this record together uh, finally, but, uh, her and I, uh, used to work at a record store together. Oh, really? Um, there used to be a chain out here called Licorice Pizza. And uh, so, and, and we, her and I worked in, and uh, I knew who she was. She's, she's pretty famous locally. And, you know, well, so yeah. I you know, was stoked to find that she worked there and we just got along great. Her and I, like, we figured out that we had the, the same birthday. And, oh, cool. And, uh, so we totally bonded and we were friends ever since. And that was, I mean, that was a few years before Medicine. That was back when, right, right after she had quit the Bengals and started the band Blood on the Saddle. Okay, which is like you know, famous cow, what they call cowpunk band, right? Because you know? she's got this, she can sing like Patsy Cline, Wanda Jackson. She can do that kind of stuff beautifully. You know? Oh, I love Patsy um, Cline. Yeah, well, and so, you know, that was perfect for her. She's done a lot of that kind of stuff, but she also loves arty psychedelic weirdness too. So, <laughs> you know. this is a good mix um, for you. So that I mean, really, it just started as a medicine started as a like a a, a, a recording project with a her and I. Okay. Okay. And she 
played the recordings we were making for various people. And all of a sudden I, you know, was having a deal offered to me. Wow. Because it was, you know, early nineties when they were signing everybody, you know, and the weirder, the better. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all, those so, are such great days. So that's when it, be- that's when it became an actual band, you know, okay. like you, you can have a record deal if you put a band together. And just at that moment, Annette, because everybody was getting signed, her other band, the Ringling Sisters, got signed to A&M, and she had to quit, and then that's when Beth Thompson, actually, it was a period of time when her, it was her and Beth Thompson were both female singers in the band, and everybody else I brought in that were just friends of mine, you know? Oh, okay. I said, hey, you know, do you want to do you want to be on a major label? Sure, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Why not? I got nothing going back on this that, weekend. Back when that meant something, I guess. Yeah. Oh, man. And I, I heard, I'll tell you something, I was in doing the research, I found a video of early version of Medicine. I think it was 92 mm-hmm. in the rehearsal space. Oh, right, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That is so amazing. Oh, thanks. That, I yeah. love that video because everything's, you still have the incredible noise and sound, but it's yeah. somewhat stripped down. what we sounded like live i mean it it's what we were able to as good as we we were rehearsing to go to england for the first time and get our asses kicked there by the press <laughs> oh geez um so that yeah that's a kind of a poignant take because we were all you know excited to go and then they they tore us apart when we went over because it was like really? there these americans come over here playing this kind of music it was pretty funny so um and, well in retrospect it's funny it was horrifying at the time but right. uh yeah, but uh, yeah, no, and I I love that video because you could see that the hair metal band's gigantic drum cage <laughs> thing in that, yeah. <laughs> that we were constantly clowning on. But uh, yeah, but and, yeah, I mean that's that was that. I mean, you know, we were just basically a a, a little rock band, you know, with noisy guitar sounds. Really, I mean, and you were the you know. first U.S. band signed to Creation Records. I think so. Yeah. That's amazing because I mean that's, they, what they, that's what I'm told. I think there was another band called Velvet Crush that may or may I, can't, I, I don't know them. if they came before or after us, but so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'll, it's just I mean to get signed by Creation to whether you're the first or maybe the second, still I mean you know they put out an amazing stuff like My Bloody Valentine, right. know, the, the foundation of shoegaze, which is it, right. So to be recognized by Alan McGee is just incredible. Yeah, I mean it was it was a trip. I mean, we actually I mean the the the, the narrative that most people that, that most people seem to think is that we signed to Creation and then with Rick Rubin and American Recordings, but it was actually the other way around. Oh, really? Yeah, strangely okay. enough. Yeah, we we had our American major label deal and then Creation came calling because ah. it was a you know, I mean like, you know, it was clever marketing back then because everybody wanted to be indie and, and underground and college radio ruled everything at that time. Yeah. So, so the idea was, was that they, you know, we had to have a cool label put out our EP first, but, and then, you know, they actually managed to, we actually got on the coolest label you could possibly think of (laughs) for that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I know. So it's, yeah, it's just one of those incredibly surreal things that, you know, my my career is filled with surreal things like that. So, <laughs> so, you know. Well, I I love the fact that it was creation because yeah. it, it, it's you know since they signed my bloody Valentine and then to me my bloody Valentine kind of fumbled the ball by not oh, yeah. putting out any absolutely oh yeah I mean, they didn't put anything out for what twenty something years and you right so right after uh, Gloveless came out what ninety one. Yeah. And you guys started putting stuff out in 92? Correct. So to me, it's it's kind of like you guys just picked that ball up and were the next right. where My Bloody Valentine could have gone. Right. I mean, I, I suppose so. I mean, at, at them and all that, 
that whole milieu were were um, definitely influential, you know, um, on us for sure. I mean, we caught all kinds of shit for sounding like them, but yeah, I mean, that was I think that was how it was perceived at the time, and and maybe why Alan McGee signed us to Creation in Europe is yeah. because he had just lost them. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin Shields went down the rabbit hole. Right. But I mean, yeah, we were, I mean, but yeah, as far as going to London and, and going to go to the creation offices and raid their, their uh, closets for promos and stuff. I mean, that was fantastic. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that, oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. Oh yeah. I walked out of there with massive amounts of vinyl, oh, you know, gosh. got all the tele, all the telescopes records, all the Boo Radley's records, all, oh, the, wow. all the primal scream records, et cetera. I mean, it, you know, that was very heady that when we when we first went over there, you know, in, in 92 to meet with them and, you know, and they put out the Aruka 12 inch and it it did really well. It was like number two indie chart thing in the UK. But then we went over there and they just, you know, they didn't spanked us. <laughs> <laughs> no, when you guys were recording that, did you, ah, I don't even know how to phrase this. Did you... Obviously, there's there's lots of effects and lots of uh, interesting, yeah. you know, weird, different dynamics. What what kind of stuff were you using at the time? And are you still using similar stuff? Yeah, I mean, my guitar. I have a dedicated medicine guitar setup that is has actually become simplified over the years. But you know, I mean, that if that's this is what's gonna it's gonna be on my tombstone. He played the guitar through a four track. I mean, so I mean, that's what I did. I played the guitar through a four track cassette player to get this crazy distortion. Which is oh, something wow. I discovered discovered by accident doing home recordings. I, you know, I I wanted a distorted guitar sound. I didn't have a distortion pedal handy, so I just cranked all the volumes up on the the thing, and it sounded great. Oh wow! And, and, but that's not. I didn't invent that. I mean, that's what the Beatles did on Revolution. That's what uh, the Stones did on Street Fighting Man. I mean, it's you know, it's what Lindsey Buckingham uh, did on Parts of Tusk. I mean, it's it's just a you know the classic thing. You turn it up and it gets, <laughs> it gets toasty and it sounds good. So I mean, you know, in my case, I augmented with a couple of you know wah wah pedals and some reverb and shit. But it's really not a lot of effects. I mean, it's really just you know. Oh wow. And and most of that first album is is you know basic tracks are live and we overdub vocals and a couple of guitars and that's it really quick you know. The vocals on that. Since talking about that, is it hard to to do your live show? Is it hard to recreate the music live? And because it sounds really noisy. Well, I yeah. I mean, live we just go for it and play, rely on on the songs. Really, you know. I mean, I, I'd do anything to to not play live rock music anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's not, not you know. I like to record. I like to make records. That's my. Yeah. That's my. That's my bliss. But um, yeah, at the time we just—I mean, we sounded like that videotape you that you saw. That the you know we just it was just playing the songs, and you know I could I could reproduce those crazy parts. You know, I had a couple of extended guitar techniques. You know, I grew up okay. like worshiping like Fred Frith and you know uh, improvisers like that, Derek Bailey. You know. Okay. And and Robert Fripp as well, you know. I mean, like, I, so I was just, you know, and, you know, also, like, Jimmy Page and, like, you know, seeing him growing up watching The Song Remains the Same and seeing all the wild, noisy stuff he, he would do. You know? Oh, yeah. So it's, I mean, I just think of it as part of that tradition, really. You know, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's funny that you mentioned Robert Fripp because I was going to actually say that your 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 career was almost like an American parallel to to his because you do wow. a lot of the <laughs> well, you, well, you do a lot of the same uh, it's not the same trajectory but you guys venture into different areas like the ambient yeah. stuff and noise yeah. stuff and you yeah. still have like like King Crimson went through the the, the phase with the uh, dual double trio and and right. lots of noise yeah and I I see a lot of parallels between what you do and what he does 
Oh, that's awesome. I, I take that as a huge compliment. I mean, he's one of my huge heroes. Oh, mine year. too. I mean, and, you know, I still say I want to be Eno when I grow up. You know, <laughs> so, you know I mean, yeah, I, I, I've never just, I, I'm just, I'm an, I'm an explorer. I'm a, you know, I like to, I, I'm not ever content to just do one thing. I've never just wanted to rock, you know, I, I also want to, you know, find sounds and, you know, um, so yeah, probably, you know, that's why I laugh when you say career, because I'm like the professional career suicide, <laughs> you know, I mean, I've done everything. I don't make it easy. No, but you do have so many different sounds and styles that you've done. Everything from folksy stuff um, yeah. to to industrial to even even popular songs like Time Baby 3, which was one of my mm-hmm. – I love that song. That, yeah. That's such a great track. In fact, that's Thanks. that's the first song by Medicine that I had ever heard. Most, most that's the case with most people. Yeah, yeah, because it's on the Crow soundtrack. Right, right. That's on a you know the triple platinum album. That's like like see, Dad, I can make a living from music <laughs> kind, of, kind of thing. Well, that's uh, that's what sent me down the rabbit hole because I went and got right. the uh, Sounds of Medicine EP and then just expanded nice. from there. So nice, nice. I mean, you know, Time Baby. Is to me, it sounds like a, you know, it's a Beatlesque tune. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, there's, I mean, parts of it are straight out of a certain Beatles song. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's being reissued this week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, and and you got the, it's just bad luck that that, that that we ended up in that movie and that you know. Yeah. How did that? How did that happen? How did how did the song end up on the soundtrack? Were you guys approached, or did the yeah? You... We well, it, it ended up in the soundtrack because we were in the movie. I mean, oh, so when, I mean, that's how it happened. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, they. I remember them just our our management saying, you know, that that these people were interested in us being in the film, and I I didn't realize until later and, and watching the uh, the commentary on the on the movie that they actually wanted curve. Instead, oh. <laughs> and, and, Curve, and Curve said no, and so wow. Hmm, but you know, what's another shoegaze band with a cute female singer? Oh, so, wow. so thanks, Curve. You blew it. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Now I've heard Time Baby three and Time Baby two. Yeah, which it, me, yeah, it's funny because to me, it it sound, Time Baby two sounds like where Medicine would have taken it after Time Baby three. No, that's that's what came first, actually. It's crazy. And it was it, it was just a B side. Um, uh, it was a song for the uh, the, uh, the five single on Creation, and it was yeah, it was just. I mean, that's one was, of my favorite songs. I love that. Song. Yeah, thanks. I you know another very Beatley thing, it's, and that's I, on that rehearsals video, right. which I, that yeah. that version is amazing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, I you know I'm quite fond of that one too. I mean, I. Um, but we just, I mean, you know, they were asking us, you know, if we'd be in the film and then like, what songs do you have? And we had just recorded that as a B side and they were like, perfect. And that, you know, wow. so <laughs> it was just lucky, you know, um, Did, I haven't, now I haven't noticed, but is, is there a time baby one? Yeah, there's, it's, it, it was my original demo and that's where the, the chorus came from that they don't have to take you away. Yeah. Other than that, it's just a very weird little pastiche kind of collage type of song. It's, it's on, that's also on YouTube if you search it. And I put us an edit of it on the reissue of shot for a self living CD oh, cool. that came out in 2012. So yeah, you, I mean, it can be heard. It's basically where that, where the chorus came from. Then, you know, the rest of the song got worked out with, with the rest of the band. So yeah. After uh, what three albums, the band stopped making music, and was it, yes. was it three? Is that Her Highness, right? That was the third That's, album. Yeah, that was the, the the third album by the original 
Okay. Iteration. Yeah. So you guys went on, uh, I guess, kind of an extended hiatus, and then. Oh yeah, no, we just broke up. Okay. Harmoniously, <laughs> you know, you know, tears, fist fights, everything, you know. Oh man. It was. It was. Yeah. So yeah. No, it was a full on bust up. Oh wow. <laughs> oh. What? What? So what was going on? Was it just differences in in, in musical styles? Was it a touring? Yeah, it just and, you everything. Know, spend three solid years in a, in a shitty van with, <laughs> with people. And I don't care how much you like them, you know, you're going to end up in each other's throats probably. It's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah. I mean, we, and we, our touring was brutal, you know, um, we probably would have lasted longer if we hadn't toured so much, but. That, you know. Wow. That's, you don't hear that very often. You hear a lot more of, we would have been more successful if we toured more. Yeah. No, I don't know if we would have. I mean, I think, to me, it's always been about the records, you know, yeah. I mean, and we did put up, do a good, you know, we're occasionally like amazing live and most of the time. Okay. But <laughs> I, I know my own worst critic, but yeah, but, yeah no, the, the relentless touring and, you know, in a very rough style was just, you know, I mean, it wore, it wore me out completely. And we were getting this whole passive aggressive thing from the label of, you know, be arty, be, be arty and creative, but also give us something to be on the radio. So, yeah, yeah. And I was so ass backwards from that thinking by the time we made Her Highness that, you know, to this day, I, I, I can't really listen to that album. You know? Oh, really? Because it just reminds me of a, a you know, really bad time. Oh, know? God, that sucks. I feel like I, lo- I feel like I lost the plot. Oh man! So and and (laughs) and, you know you didn't want to be touring anyway, so right. So I I guess so that does tours don't start off well when you don't actually want to be doing it in the first place. No, and that last tour we did was like almost a year after our last. Like we had made the album, it was a total nightmare to make it. I I had this brilliant idea of hiring Eddie Offord to co-produce with us. Okay, I don't know if you know. Do you know who that? But that name, no, Eddie Offord. He 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 produced the Yes records, the classic Yes. Oh, records. really? And also the classic Emerson, Lake, and Palmer records. Wow. And uh, you know, I love Yes. I worship Yes still to this day. I love Yes. So yeah, I was like Eddie offered. My God, you know, like his picture is even on the back of Close to the Edge. I mean, he was like a band member. Yeah, it didn't work out too well. It was a big mistake. And, oh. Yeah. So it was. I mean, now there was that the label kind of giving us this passive aggressive. Nick's message thing and you know I, for the first two medicine albums I didn't I cared not at all and and they're super creative and I love them you know yeah. and there was no there was no pretense of trying to get on the radio we were just being us by the time I mean her highness just seems like you know compromised oh, um, okay so- I mean I know a lot of people love it people ask me like why don't you put it on vinyl and you know, Jim Jim Goodall, the drummer, and I, we, we always joke that, like, we'll put it out, but it's going to be, like, a, a reduced version as, instead of an expanded version. <laughs> like, like only the parts of the song, not even individual songs, but only, like, <laughs> the parts of the songs that we like. It makes a little seven-inch seven single. So each song is going to be reduced to, like, 45 seconds. Yeah, if that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you go from the band disintegrating to becoming part of an album that took me forever to find when it, when it came out was, Mm. which was Lusk. Oh yeah. Yeah. How did Lusk come about? I know that was a, was that more of a Paul Demore uh, project that you got involved in or was it collaborative? Well, it was in once we, it was once we were making the music, it was extremely collaborative. I mean, but it definitely happened because Paul had quit Tool and had an open invitation to make a record. Wow. You know? Oh, that's awesome. Um, and so he, I had uh, become friendly with him. I want to, I don't know, I think I met him. Okay, so the house that we recorded Her Highness in with, with Eddie Offord was. Was then we moved out and failure moved in to make Fantastic Planet. Oh, okay. Um, they, because Justin Meldel Johnson was playing in Medicine at the time, um, and he was friends with Ken from Failure. So, okay. and uh, so 
you know, Justin's, you know, like he's, you know, he was like a producer even before he was a producer. He just, he was putting people together that needed things and he knew the failure needed a place to record and he knew that we were moving out. So he brought them in there. And then there was, there was like parties, a lot of parties like that sort of were transitional medicine slash failure uh, <laughs> parties. And so I met, I met Paul and Chris there. Okay. And uh, Chris Pittman, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, just, just from that social scene and, uh, and I, you know, uh, Paul invited me to, to, you know, he knew that, uh, I had just broken up the medicine and was looking for something to do and offered me a job basically, you know, oh, I mean, man. kind of, you know, I was, you know, thrilled to have a, a record to work on. And so how was, that, how were the sessions for that? Were they, I mean, cause the, the band is, the, the album is great. I love that. Band. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm super fond of it too. I mean, I I, I love that record and and it, it I mean it, they had rented a, a rehearsal studio at a place called the Alley in North Hollywood, which I think is closing down. But it was like this amazing hippie crash pad, like it just reeked of the seventies. <laughs> I mean, it was run by these biker people and it was, it was just a hysterically funny place. And I mean, you know, Paul had some big, dumb tool money behind him. So yeah. we had this, this really luxurious hangout with tons of gear. We we're buying gear and all this. And I mean, I was going through the tapes recently. I mean, we spent like a month before we did anything resembling a song. Oh, we just jammed. Wow. We just got together and and jammed for uh, like a, a solid month. And I, someday I'm going to edit an album together of that stuff because like none of that made it to the album. And eventually oh, we, wow. I mean, and there's some cool jams on there and some really silly drunken stuff too. <laughs> I mean, um, but we, you know, and eventually we just got tired of jamming and each of each person started bringing songs in. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I was probably the first to bring in a song like, okay, enough, you know, yeah. <laughs> let's work on a song. And I, I brought in that song, the, the second song on the album. Um, I, I, call, I called it doubt. They called it savvy kangaroo. Like, yeah, that was the yeah. joke that that's what lusk that lusk doesn't mean anything. Okay. It okay. Was, there was like a poster in that studio for a politician Okay. This is a random piece of art. It just said Lusk, and it was like this dude's face. <laughs> so I was like, there's our band name. Like I named it. I said, oh, you know, there's the name. Okay, it's Lusk. And then Greg decided that it had to stand for something. So okay. Lusk, it, according to Greg Edwards, it stood for Linear Undulating Savvy Kangaroos. Okay. Naturally. Yeah. But so... For, you know, so Makes they sense. decided that that song had to be called Savvy Kangaroos because it was bouncy. Oh, uh, okay. I, I, I guess but. I could see that. Right. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> Should have told, told Greg, pick your own song to call Savvy Kangaroos. Right, exactly. Man. Well, that was the nature of the thing, you yeah. know. <laughs> and all I mean, so, I mean, I a, after that orig- initial period, I mean, I kind of came and went. I mean, I sort of realized that Chris and Paul were going to run with what we had, and I was better. I, I'm actually, I signed with Island during that time and okay. did the, the Amnesia stuff. Oh, okay. And also, and also started working with Jordan around that time too. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and he mentioned this, and and I confirmed it with you last week. But yeah, you guys wrote a ton of stuff in between yeah. what you guys mentioned, and now hearing that you've got a, a month's worth of recordings of Lusk, you're killing me with yeah. well, music that I'm have, dying to hear. I have of Lusk is, do, doesn't sound like the Lusk album, really. Though. Oh man, I'm, it's that's, like. Okay. And weirdness and you know. Oh, see, that's that's what I love. I mean, that's. Oh uh, well, it'll happen eventually. I I, I I intend to edit it into something. You know. That some would point. be amazing. So so you started working with Jordan Zadarovsky from Blinker the Star. Yes. And you guys wrote a bunch of material. Some of it ended up on some of his albums. Right. Um, 
and I guess the rest of it is just kind of languishing in on a hard drive or something. Yeah, I mean, I've got he used to make CD compilations for his publisher, and I remember there was three CDRs filled with Laner's Adorosny songs. God, that included the songs that ended up on August Everywhere. You know, like demo versions of Crazy Eyes and Your Big Night Sandy and I'm a Fraction. I think those are the three, the only three that made it onto that album. Um, and then you guys had another one that ended up kind of at, at what he called to me, because he, he sent me some other stuff that didn't make it anywhere. And one of them is Brown and Furry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a song of mine that he helped me with. Oh, OK. Because it yeah. shows up. And, and, but then, no, but he did a cover of it and he ended up doing his own version of it, too. Oh, maybe that's the one I got because it's around the We Draw Lines Right. Era. I think, yeah, I think, but that was like him covering, that's not even the original demo. <laughs> so it's like no, him no, covering you and him. Yeah, pretty much. And that, <laughs> yeah. No, he was like such great fun to write with. I mean, just, you know, just a fabulous person anyway. So, and he, I mean, he's just a hilarious dude to talk to. Now, let's see. Where am I going with this? I got to look at my notes at this point because I kind of went off track. Sure. That's but that's right. okay because that's what I love about this show is just, just it's just a casual conversation. Right. I don't sense any anxiety at all. Oh, good. <laughs> you know, I've, I've had people complain about that. They say your your <laughs> your podcast name is so misleading. I said, well, it, it started off talking about that, and then it just kind of morphed into just a casual oh, conversation. See. So you call it performing performance relaxation. Oh, that's that's pretty good. I've, I've, I'd have to get, redo my logo, but uh, oh, yeah. well, I, that's fine. I got my the. Uh, that's a cool story. I'll tell you. Since we're having a conversation, uh, one of the first guys I had on the show was Mark Dancy from the band Big Chief. Mm-hmm. And I loved Big Chief, and after they kind of broke apart, he and you know he did all the artwork for the band. He just kind of right. started doing artwork as a living. So I wanted to find out about. That band and, and Mac Avenue Skull Game is one of my favorite albums of the '90s, and so I wanted to find out about that. So I invited him to come on, and he agreed to my incredible surprise, and came on. We talked, we had a great chat, and afterwards I said, "Hey, you know, what, what would you charge me to do my logo?" So he gave me some insanely low price, nice. and so he's the guy that that did my logo. Oh, lovely! So I am. Well- you're stuck with it then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless I get him to redo the uh, lettering on the logo. I can't right, redo my yeah, job. You know, but <laughs> but yeah. I mean, maybe he'll charge me another insanely low price to do that, too. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I heard you got, you dude, uh, dude, that's a great word. You dude. <laughs> yes, dude. You, <laughs> you, that's, record- that's a, that's a, that's a noun, a verb. That's like everywhere in Southern California. You could—that's like an entire sentence. You know what? Yeah, all you have to do is change the inflection a little bit, and you can have dude. a whole conversation, dude. Dude, dude. <laughs> but, <laughs> you did a cover of um, a Chicago song. Yes, and I don't know too many bands that do Chicago covers. I mean, the only yeah, thing that well, can, we did—we just put out a Bob Welch cover. I, you know, I oh, only I covered that. the coolest stuff. I that only play with the coolest people: the Captain Sunil, Bob Welch, <laughs> Chicago. Only the coolest. Oh my gosh! The, the Chicago. The, nobody does Chicago covers. The only thing I can think of is you and Motley Crue. Which one did they do? They did twenty-five or six to four. Nice, nice. I mean, look. I mean, I. First of all, I love the song that I cover. I. Um, Feeling stronger every feeling stronger every day. Yes, I mean it's like a childhood favorite. I mean, but I, it, to me, it's really dark and and uh, passive aggressive and weird. You know, yeah. That, that that I was I've always been haunted by that line. You know, the best thing that happened to you was the worst thing that happened to me. You know, and just, uh, I don't know. And I sort of, yeah, I don't know. There's just something dark and weird about it. And I just, uh, you know, was was that a Terry Kath? Era Chicago. Yeah, it was, be- oh, okay. yeah, it was a few years before he died. 
Wow. Okay. That's... It's a, it, but it's a Peter Cetera song. You know, like I said, only only the coolest. That's... <laughs> Peter Cetera. I don't know. Is he? He's he's still alive, right? Yeah, absolutely. What a great singer. Who else sounds like that? Well, he, exactly. Nobody. Whether you like him or hate him, nobody right. sounds like him. Right. I should see if he can come on. I I wish you luck. <laughs> so, do you? Do a lot of obscure songs, I and mean, you, you're putting out an album in the next few weeks, uh, "Scarred for Life," at, at, at as a medicine release, and it's yes. a bunch of covers. How it's did medicine get back together, and how did you pick the songs for the album? Well, I mean, we reunited in 2013, actually 2012, and put out a reunion album of all new stuff in 2013 to the happy few. And then another one, the following year, uh, home everywhere yes. and played some, sh- played some shows and then kind of went dormant again. Um, it just stopped being fun again. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I only do it if it's fun. So, um, um, you know, I took a break and, um, Meantime, this small label called Drawing Room Records uh, uh, had has been asking me to um, to do an album of covers for a while, probably oh, okay. just like as a solo album. And I finally just I don't know I was so freaked out and in dismay over politics, you know, turning and turning fifty and all that that I was like, you know, I just like what do you do? I don't know. So we just it was like this comfort project almost, you know, like oh, okay, that's cool. Um, and it just turned into like a medicine thing because like I reunited with Annette who I hadn't spoken to in quite a while and she wanted to do a project. And so it just, it was like, Oh yeah, you know, this awesome person that I actually started this band with ages ago, you know, let's, I, I wanted to give her her moment in the sun as well, you know? Yeah. She never, she always was sad that she never got to record with us. So um, it was like this really weird personal sort of therapeutic exercise to just do songs with no, there's, there's no like thematic unity. It's just songs we like. You know? Oh, okay. Well that, that explains some things because there's a song in there that, uh, that was written by Judy Sill. Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm a recent uh, within the, you know, the past like two or three years, uh, I've, I've just discovered her and oh, yeah. Good her, thing. her song, the donor is Amazing to me. Yeah. I love that song. She's a deity to me. I, I mean, I, I can't, I could, I, I can't even speak, you know, logically about it. I just, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so moved by her, you and, know, in, her in, in, in every way that, you know, so it was really important to me to do a song by her. It's, it's cert- by, by far not her best song. I think it may be even like the first song she wrote. It's really, it's really funny. It's a funny. It's a song about going to jail for pot. I mean, oh yes, yes. You know, I, I'm doing all this dead time for partaking of a plant. Yeah, is the first line, <laughs> is the first line of the song. You know, I mean, I mean, it just means a lot to me to do something by Judy Sill. I don't know. You know, oh, well, her story is amazing. Yeah, it's really dark and messed up. And, yeah, yeah, it's very sad. I mean, but. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of the people that knew her, like there, there's resistance to tell her story because it's so messed up. Yeah, it <laughs> and really. She was apparent, apparently, you know, not the nicest person in the world. So, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, with the history she had, and I encourage listeners to look her up because it's it's yes. really amazing music Those, and a wild story. The the two albums that she put out in her lifetime are. There's nothing like them in the world. I I just no, you know I agree. I can't I can't speak highly enough of, of of her music. I mean, just it's so significant to me. So I mean, to me, I mean, I, I I'd even say this whole medicine covers album is worth it to me. Just so I you know could have the excuse to do a Judy Sill song. You know, now, so, did you did you guys uh, collaboratively pick the songs, or did you come in with some and 
It was mostly me, but there was a couple of ideas. It was a Annette's idea to, to do the coding song that we do on there at the oh, end. Okay. Oh, and uh, Matt, the Matt Devine, uh, who does great guitar playing on that, and he was in the touring. He was he was on the the Her Highness Trail of Tears tour, <laughs> and he's like one of, one of my best friends. And uh, he he probably recommended a couple of them. I can't remember. He's gonna get mad at me <laughs> if I remember. I don't know. <laughs> we can go back to it. We're, we yeah. bounce around a lot on this show, so that, that's yeah, okay. totally fine. Um, now, Sentimental Lady, that yeah, I I just heard that today, and oh, nice. man, that is awesome. You know, oh, it's thanks. it's one of those songs that I I heard a lot growing up. My parents would play it, yeah. it was on the radio a lot. Yeah, but and I never realized that it was Bob Welch. It was just a song I heard on the radio, right? And and I heard your version of it and it's like oh my god yes i know this song i know this song but it was so different from the original I mean, it is and it isn't. I mean, melodically, harmonically, rhythmically, lyrically, it's identical to the original. Yes, yes. It, which is, it's, 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 all, it's all about the delivery. That's yeah, different. exactly. It's, it's everything that I love in, in a cover song. It's, it's recognizable, but you've really turned it into a medicine song with the way you've yeah, done it. Yeah, I've always – I had this idea for a few years that that, that, that song would make the perfect – medicine type of song and you know luckily i was right i don't know i mean i <laughs> I, I you know i i get a huge kick out of that i mean it's it's i'm glad that it seems to be being received well um because you know it's it's a it's an odd song the lyrics are i don't know what the hell it's about it may be about something bad <laughs> it may be about um liking an underage girl i'm i I'm not sure. <laughs> well, Bob Welch, you don't know. Yeah, and, I mean, I it's it's one of those songs that's like profound melodically and totally insipid lyrically, and that so that was a challenge, you know. Yo, God, but, yeah. Um, and <laughs> it's you know, there's also you know, Fleetwood Mac recorded it before Bob Welch had his hit with it. Oh gosh, yeah, that's it's right. On the, it's on the Bear Trees album, I want to say. Oh wow! I, I, yeah, that's. You know, my brother is an enormous. I, I love Fleetwood Mac, but my brother yeah. is, is enormous, and I know Jordan is a yeah. nut too. They'd know better than I would. But um, since we we are kind of jumping around here, I I did have a question for you. Sure. When uh, the Mechanical Forces of Love mm. came out, mm-hmm. that was you, you. You did that album with Shannon Lee. Who's That's right. Bruce Lee's daughter. That's right. How did that is that a, a distant crow connection or how did that no, happen? Straight, you would think, right? Yeah, um, because I I was the only member of medicine to actually meet Brandon Lee on the set of the Crow. Oh, really? And it was we filmed our bit two two weeks before he got killed. And oh, that, you know, so I I still you know would have would rather have the the Crow have never happened to you know rather him be alive. But, yeah. But he was a total sweetheart, and you know, um, and it was a nice experience meeting him. I mean, you know, um, but actually, I met Shannon through uh, uh, through Ken. Uh, oh, really? Ken yeah, he was. Um, you know, he's a sort of producer for hire. You know, yeah. always. Yeah. And but he, he um, just one day he said, "Hey, would you come and do the session I'm doing with Shannon Lee?" Um, because he didn't feel like he knew how to work with a female singer or something, you know, like he wanted something and he knew that I had a history of working with female singers. So, you know, I think that's how he presented it to me. And and, and I showed up and Sharon and I just got on like a house on fire instantly. I mean, totally just, just total pals instantly. And, um, we nearly at that time, this is like a few, this is like 1999, 
this is way before mechanical forces of love, but we very nearly signed with Interscope. Oh wow! Uh, it, it would be it would have been her a, a, a Shannon solo album produced by Ken and I, but oh, wow. that but never ha- it didn't come together for a variety of reasons. Um, but Shannon and I stayed friends, and just one we just decided to make our own album together, Sans Ken, uh, a few <laughs> years later. And that was just sort of perversely, it was like, hey, what if we called this medicine, you know? Yeah. What, what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, a lot of people weren't happy about that, but, you know, because it was like completely different kind of music. I, I maintain that that record was fairly ahead of its time, and like people do that kind of thing all the time, you know? Oh, yeah. But the, the rockest people couldn't stand that it had all this electronic, that it was mostly electronic, you know? But I mean, I think that's like, that's not, that wouldn't even be noteworthy for a rock band to do electronic sounding stuff now no exactly. at the time at the time it was uh, scandalous yeah you couldn't you don't mix genres right how dare we <laughs> so but i mean th- but that was really you know just just Shannon and i having fun i mean you know she's a classically trained singer she 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 has a degree oh, wow. in vocal performance really and, and most people don't know that about her My whole thing was, yeah, okay, it's nice that your dad was Bruce Lee, but I don't really care about that. I think you're a great singer, you know. Well, yeah. So that, you know, that was that was my whole thing. And Bruce I, Lee's not going to make music with you. Yeah, I mean, and then it gets weird when you try to get into like business dealings <laughs> with somebody who's oh, in, wow. in that position. And, yeah. And she was just, and she became uh, pregnant with her her daughter during that time. And um, so it just wasn't meant to be pursued further than that album. But I, I love that record. I'm really glad it happened. And, and Shannon and I are still friends. And, oh, that's awesome. Uh, but, you know, but she's very much all about running the estate now. I mean. Yeah. And, you know, doing doing good in the name of her dad and making sure people don't do anything cheesy in the name of her dad, which is a daily battle, I assure you. I you know? can only imagine. That's got to yeah, that so, That's definitely a full time job. Yeah. So, you know, I'd like to think that I helped her, you know, make a claim for being an artist in her own right. For sure. But and also, you know, but I'm always thumbing my nose at expectations. So, I mean, (laughs) and she 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 liked the idea of calling it medicine as a nod to her brother, too, because of that connection. Wow. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. But it's but it's not if that's not how we met. And. For what it's worth, she doesn't think that there's a family curse. Okay. I mean, <laughs> Good. Because you know, she, she would talk about them a lot. I mean, they're, you know, yeah. her, she she knew Brandon far better than she knew her, her dad. Who She was four when he when her dad died. So. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But, you know, Brandon was, you know, that, that's a really painful thing for her, you know. Oh, God, yeah, I can only imagine. That would be horrible. Yeah. yeah, but she's, you know, a beautiful person. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, well, if we can get a little more attention to that album, that'd be great. Well, you know, sure. I mean, <laughs> All 50 is, people is, listening. I, I, what's that? All 50 people listening. Go, go yes. and pick up that one if you don't have it already. Excellent. The, the, uh, and, and, and looking over my notes here, I, I noticed something I wanted to ask you about Lusk that I had, mm-hmm. didn't get a chance to get. The album received a Grammy nomination. Right. But... <laughs> For for best packaging, yeah, that's a real category. Apparently so, and we lost. That's, yeah, the, the Titanic. <laughs> yeah, right. Which must have had fantastic. It had a little cup of water in it, and no. it, <laughs> pieces yeah, of the nice boat. Cube. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that stupid necklace that she dropped in the right, right. So, you, but no, I mean the packaging on the CD for Lust was beautiful by by uh, Peter Grant, not not Led Zeppelin's manager. <laughs> But, uh, I actually I've known like three different people named Peter Grant in my life. But this is the, uh, really? the artist Peter Grant who did a, a smashing job on that. Oh, it's know? great! I just never knew that that was a category. Yeah, that's, that's... I don't even maybe it probably isn't anymore. I mean, well, yeah, because everything's downloadable. Right. There's, I mean, some of the biggest acts 
don't even make physical product anymore. So oh, that's it, best best looking MP3. I don't know. <laughs> best JPEG. Best best bit rate encoding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I've just about run out of things to ask you. I think here. Um right. the uh I will encourage everybody to go check out because you appear um your and this is your own estimation because I couldn't do this on right. over three hundred recordings. I doubt it's I doubt it's that much. It that is a misnomer that appeared in a medicine press release ah. in, in the nineties. When after, and I've done like dozens of albums since then. I think at the time, I think that I said that I'd been on thirty records, <laughs> and somebody in the in the press department at Deaf American decided to add a zero oh. to it. <laughs> and that's been in practically every bio of me ever since. Well, maybe you by know. now it's three hundred. Right. So now it's you know maybe <laughs> closer to fifty or sixty. But I I, I, I never correct anybody anymore. Yeah. Other than, you know, because it's so funny, but they've they've been saying that about me for thirty years. So oh I mean, I, I must be on like thousands of albums, <laughs> millions, millions, billions, and billions. <laughs> well, I, I definitely encourage everybody to check out because your 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 music just there's so many different sounds. I mean, sixties yeah. psychedelia tech, yeah. you know, you know, uh, electronic music. In fact, right. um, do you have? any influences uh vocally because oh god yeah because i get I, I get a lot of like like buffalo springfield sounding birdsy yeah. stuff on, on a lot of your solo stuff absolutely and you know we do a buffalo springfield song on the new medicine covers album and we did Beautiful. expecting to fly you know um Great but yeah song. i'm all i'm thanks i mean I, that was really challenging to do and i'm really proud of what we did with it it's um we played it pretty straight actually but um yeah, I mean, God, I have too many favorite vocalists. I mean, you know, I mean, the Beatles. I mean, it's all about, you know, Lennon and McCartney. I mean, I I, I could talk about singers for, you know. <laughs> like Robert Wyatt is another big favorite of mine. Well, maybe uh, I, maybe we should get you back on and we could just talk about some some obscure singers that everybody needs to know about. Sure. I mean, I God, I wouldn't even know where to start. I mean, Judy but, Sill. Yeah, Judy Sill is is so key. I mean, if you haven't listened to Judy Sill, I mean, it's, it's a must. Oh yeah. J U D E E. Yeah. Yes, right. exactly. It's, it's a very odd spelling, but once you, once you yeah. hear it, you you'll never forget it. I know just all you have to do. I mean, really, if it's just Jesus was a cross maker or the kiss, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, um, it's just stunning stuff. My, my personal favorite is definitely the donor though. I, that, yeah, that, that's incredible. I mean, it's it's so, uh, yeah. I mean, they, there's this, I've got audiophile, double 45, double LP 45 pressings of her two albums. Oh, wow. Uh, that I, I can't recommend. I mean, it's like, if you want to have like a religious communal experience with a, with a piece of vinyl, I mean, and the donor, <laughs> you know, it's all, all just all one side. Oh, at, yeah. At 45 RPM. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, because it's like eight minutes. Yeah, so that's. Incredibly glorious. I mean, it's you know. Oh, uh, the the chorus in the beginning is just incredible. It's yeah, yeah. With the Kyrie liaison. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, no. I, I I get her her whole religious. You know, I I tell people who haven't heard her. Okay, just she like she really likes Jesus. I mean, like <laughs> really likes it. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know how to explain. Like. Like, you know, wants to be married to him. Like you know? a lot. A whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I would do the same for if anybody listening who's not familiar with your music, definitely go and, and search out all the different things, your solo work, um, yeah. medicine. And although I do, I would caution against anybody looking at work not to look up Vast Deference Society because <laughs> you will get a lot of videos yeah, don't, don't Google vast deference organization. Yeah, no, because find out what a vast deference is. <laughs> you don't want to do that. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you you'll eventually find it, but you're going to find some other stuff before you, you get you, to you. You might you might not want to know what a steaming coil is. <laughs> Fortunately, when I when I type in steaming coil, Brad Laner stuff comes up. When I type yeah. in vast deference, it's like that that's a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, 
Oh boy. Well, where can people follow you on social media and where can they pick up the new album, Scarred for Life? Uh, Bandcamp. Brad Laner Bandcamp. Awesome. Is there are social media accounts that people can. Yeah, I mean, there's just. Um, there's a medicine face. Medicine it banned. Medicine banned in parentheses on, on Facebook is the, the official medicine Facebook thing. And then, you know, Bandcamp is. is, is uh, you know, ideally, that's where, and there's, you know, where you can pick up vinyl of the new medicine album. There's still some copies for sale. Awesome. There. Uh, I don't know when your podcast is coming out, but we're down to like 10 copies. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> we only, yeah, we're, yeah, well, we're not selling that many of them. Well, we'll maybe we'll get to the last 10 sold with this. All right, then. <laughs> it's a, it's a really nice pressing and it comes with a poster. So. Well, I, I'm, enjoying going back and, and I've actually, I've really enjoyed going back and listening to music that I, I hadn't heard in years. This is the old medicine stuff and, and finding cool. new stuff like that rehearsal space tape. That, that was just so cool. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice, nice, uh, bit of nostalgia for me, you know? Oh yeah. I, I bet it brings back a whole bunch of slew of memories. I bet. Yes. Well, Brett, thank you so much for spending some time with me. I do appreciate Thanks for your it. Was- I appreciate it. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.